Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm joined by Kyle Porter, fresh off just what was a marathon weekend of President's Cup coverage. Kyle, I know you you marvel sometimes at, at me covering Oklahoma, Thunder. I have to follow so much stuff, but there's really nothing like you on Twitter covering a major golf event into the wee hours of the night. Like your screen grabs, your tweets. I just want to commend you for all of your uh, President's Cup coverage. I had multiple people that that know that I know you come up to me and, and tell me that you were just on fire all weekend. <laughs> I appreciate that. It is, uh, dude, late night, late night, early morning golf is just, I don't know. It's the best. Like the, the middle of the day stuff is like, okay, it's fun. You know, masters us open, but that like midnight to like two a, it's just, I don't know. It's a blast. I was on, I was on Carson hours and, uh, I was enjoying every minute of it. So I appreciate yeah, you you're on that. the, you're on the TV schedule for sure. And no, it's, it's so much different, like opening day of president's cup. If it's at three in the afternoon and I have stuff to do and just, I'm kind of half paying attention as opposed to at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Like what else am I doing? I'm, I'm locked in. I yeah. loved it. Uh, the United States won. uh, Ricky was the last singles match. Uh, at one point it looked like it was going to come down to him and he was down to Leishman. Mm. But uh, Big Cat, Tiger Woods, takes his cap off before the, the putt drops. How good and was that? It was incredible. It was and, sick. And I, I really thought, I can't remember who made this point. I think No Laying Up retweeted someone that made this point that for all the wins that Tiger has, majors, just regular wins as well, how many more would he have if courses were set up like Royal Melbourne? Just that oh. difficult. Hey, like, preach. I, I'm, I'm right there. I, I think that... I know people did not sign on to the Pistols Firing podcast to get course architecture takes on, you know, President's Cup team events, but... I threw Rick in there. It's okay. Uh, yeah, you did. It, look, like that... It, Tiger said this. He was like, that's how golf is supposed to be played. And it's and it's true. Like, the stuff we get... And look, like, I, I get it. Like, power is sexy and it sells and whatever. And, and PGA Tour stuff is just... It's just so geared toward powerful players, like guys that are long off the tee. But man, how speaking of sexy, how sexy is a hundred and ten foot putt to like two feet? Right? <laughs> is like, that how long that one was? I couldn't remember. I think it was a hundred and five. It was it was uh-huh. it was unbelievable. And it, it's just it takes legit and look, power's a skill. That's what Rory told me one time. He's like he was hollering about you know, people getting mad about driving distance and all this stuff. He's like, power's a skill. And that's true. But man, the skill it takes to play Melbourne is, you know, it, it, it it's unparalleled. And, and I just, I hope that we see more courses and more setups like that into the future. What else did Rory, Rory tell you? Yeah, it was kind of a flex. I, I shouldn't have said that. Um, when, when when's Rory going to take us on his, on his private jet and do like a live pod? Just talking, <laughs> talking Ryder cup. Talking about how he almost went to Oklahoma State. Yeah. 
visit with Holder, all that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll set it up, figure well, it out. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Ricky halved his final singles, which God, he missed like a five footer to get the outright point and help his overall record. But Ricky was a part of the winning team. Uh, he replaced Brooks Kepka, so the United States gets a win. And I thought it was pretty cool to see see Tiger kind of get emotional in the United States win. But yeah, it's awesome. You, you're right. This is not a golf podcast. You, you've done plenty of those this week. You can listen to uh, your podcast with CBS, The First Cut. You can listen to No Laying Up, and you can listen to The Shotgun Start, the, the, the trifecta, I call it, the three best golf podcasts, and uh, Kyle's on all of them this week. So if you want more President's Cup takes, that's where you should go. But Kyle, we got to get to, to Chuba Hubbard, basketball, signing day, all sorts of stuff. But first, let's get to, to mid-first. Yeah, we got uh, the mid-first five coming up, but first... Midfirst.com slash pistols firing. You can go there and uh, sign up for an OSU credit card. Some last minute Christmas shopping like Carson and I do. Uh, if you need to do that, you can earn points. Uh, there are bursar rewards options. Midfirst.com slash pistols firing to get your uh, OSU credit card. And Carson, let, let's let's roll through it. Midfirst five. Let's go. Dude, I've, I've worn out Amazon with the Midfirst card this week. <laughs> Just... That that site never ceases to amaze how quickly stuff arrives. Did you get but, that uh, T-shirt folder? <laughs> no, I forgot to order that. I should have. My trip uh, <laughs> my trip is rapidly approaching. But uh, yeah, <laughs> let, let's get to the mid first five. Number one, I think what everyone wants to hear us talk about Kyle is Chuba Hubbard finishes eighth in the Heisman voting, and uh, he also was snubbed for the Doak Walker Award. Uh, really disappointing. Uh, what was your take on on seeing how the votes finally shook out? Yeah, eighth is. Uh... <sighs> Look, like I, I, I honestly, Carson, I kept hollering, I kept saying like, you know, Bedlam matters, Bedlam matters. I don't know that it mattered. I think, I think people's minds were just made up, and and I think some of this is like, oh, OSU's, you know, this you got a system. There's a system. You just got this offense, you know, high flying. It's like, watch a game. It was all Chuba all the time. That's all they had, you know. And and some of that was Sanders alleviating the pressure on him. But he was it, it was different than Justice Hill having fifteen hundred, than Joseph Randall having fourteen hundred. It was it was very, very different. And people just didn't seem to pay attention to that. And I think if he puts up two hundred against OU, I don't know that it changes things. I think he's still eighth or seventh or whatever. And that's disappointing because he was better than that this year. Yeah, I, I think it does matter. I mean, that, the national stage, because at that point, remember Joel Klatt just trumpeting that Chase Young should go to New York in that, that Ohio State-Michigan game, a nationally televised game. Everyone's watching. you got Joel Klatt campaigning for Chase Young. I think that made a big difference. Chase Young had the second most first-place votes. So if Chuba just goes off against Oklahoma, Brock Heward's sitting there going, this guy belongs in New York, folks. Like, how, I think how, that makes a big impression. Well, how much do you think uh... – Guys like that that are big media, I mean, especially Clatt or, or like um, Herb Street or whoever, how much does that affect some of the way this stuff that goes? Do you think it's a lot? Some. I mean, it's it's essentially marketing and advertising for this player. Uh, I, I think it matters a lot. I mean, again, I think Joel Clatt getting up there and saying it matters that Chase Young should be there. That's how, it, to me, I'm not saying Joel Clatt's the reason Chase Young got there. He already had a great a great candidacy, but it really kind of puts the the nail in the, in the coffin or, you know, it really kind of drives the point home. 
So I, while I do think that would have mattered, I do think I do think there is a certain to to a certain extent. How much does a guy covering Oregon and, and writes for the Eugene newspaper? How does he even know who Chuba Hubbard is? I know. Like, well, how about does how a guy about, in does a guy in Albany, New York, writing for the New York papers covering Syracuse that votes on the Heisman? Could he pick Chuba Hubbard out of a lineup? Could he even tell you what number he wears? I I doubt it. That that to me was a bigger issue than just. His performance on the field he's not jonathan taylor he's not jk dobbins playing in nationally televised games every single week i think that that mattered a lot so so to your point i i, I tend to agree with you but i do think if chuba would have done something really historic like 2200 yards yeah 2300 then i think with in addition to the ou game then i think he really could have made some waves nationally how crazy is it that what was it five percent of people just didn't have joe burrow on their list it's like yeah. what are you, what are you doing? Like why do you have a vote? Like what do you are you trying to like <laughs> prove a point? Like what what you know, and I, I just I don't know. It, it Trevor Lawrence gets three first place votes. What are you guys doing? You know, I I just maybe maybe this thing should be 25 people. You know, or or 100 people yeah. or, or whatever. Maybe it shouldn't be you know, 14 or I don't, I don't know, 900 or 10,000, however many it is. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it's hard because like, how do you cover 130 teams? You know, how do you, how do you look at all this stuff every week? I, and that's, that's sort of my point about the media personalities driving some of this. Like it, it's not nothing when guys are leading sports center or Scott Van Pelt's doing his one big thing on guys like that. That is, that is marketing that does affect, that influences the way that people like not just you and me, but people who actually have votes think about these guys. And so I think that part of it is just, it's, it's really hard to vote for stuff like this. And, uh, you know, Chuba just didn't have, he didn't have a hype man. Like he didn't, he didn't have that hype around him, uh, that maybe, uh, some of the other guys like chase young did. Well, and I think to that point, his, his signature, Heisman type moment was probably that Kansas State game where he had 296 yards or whatever, and it was on ESPN Plus, and people trying to watch on ESPN Plus couldn't even see it because they were having technical issues. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that matters. But the most hilarious thing about the whole endeavor of of you know that inevitably it turned into arguments for Jonathan Taylor and Chuba Hubbard, um, which we'll talk about in the Doak Walker. Which let's let's just talk about that now, I guess. But yeah. the arguments, you know, Jonathan Taylor wins the Doak Walker over Chuba Hubbard, even though. I thought you did a great job pointing out all the stats in which Chuba had better numbers, virtually all of them when it comes to rushing the football. The most hilarious thing to me was people trying to point to Jonathan Taylor having five receiving touchdowns as if that like made the difference, yeah. as, if, as if they're handing out the Doak Walker Award. Like Chuba had like 18 less receiving yards, by the way. That's, that's how few, and, and Chuba, we all know Chuba did not get very many catches this year. Yeah. So essentially, Jonathan Taylor had five dump-off touchdowns in the red zone, is what is what you're saying. Yeah. And that has never determined the award. It did not determine it this year. You're fooling your... It was just funny to see people cling to that stat as a reason why Jonathan Taylor won it. No, just be honest. Just say, look, Jonathan Taylor plays for a blue blood. He plays for, I guess, Wisconsin's kind of a blue blood these days, but... He does play way more nationally televised games. He's a bigger name. That's yeah. why he won the award. Don't cling to these arbitrary, well, he had five receiving touchdowns. And the, the other argument, too, they were like, oh, well, Chuba had way more carries. 
So? Who cares? Last year, Jonathan Taylor won the award with 307 carries. Chuba had 309 this year. Yeah. Were, were people last year, he had like 100. Jonathan Taylor had like 90 more carries than the second place rusher. Was anyone saying last year that, oh, well, he's just volume-based. He just has a lot of carries. That's the only reason. It was just funny to me how people shape their narrative just to make their opinion. It's crazy to me. Yeah, and and like if that's your here's the deal, Carson. If that's your argument, then if you look at the numbers across the board, Shuba should have won. Like your your argument can't be, well, look at the numbers. Like that's that's not an argument because if you blindly look at the numbers, Shuba's better. Like he just he was. He had more yards, fewer games. You know, like I I, I don't. That's not a real and and I think you're right. Like the argument is actually like, look, Jonathan Taylor came into the year with more hype. He's a bigger name. He played for a better team. They played in the Big Ten championship. They were on national television more. Like all those, those are real reasons. Like that, I, I totally understand that. And I and I don't really have a problem with him winning it. But if your argument is look at the numbers, that's a terrible argument because Chuba's <laughs> going to win out in that argument. He won every stat known to rushing the football, and it's it's an award given to rushing the football. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, it is it it's really disappointing. I mean, he goes from a potential Heisman candidate to finishing behind what he was like the third highest running back in the Heisman voting, and doesn't win the Doak Walker. Which again, like Jonathan Taylor won the award last year, and Chuba had better numbers this year. So. Like people tried to say it was like a career achievement award for Jonathan Taylor. Well, no, he won the award last year, so there is no career achievement award here. So it it was thoroughly disappointing. Yeah, I think a little. I think some of that stuff is what we talk about when we talk about the about the playoff, right? Of like, hey, you just have to like, like if you're Chuba, you got to prove something because nobody's heard of you. You're not, you know, you're not the reigning Doak Walker winner. Like you're just. You're just not at the level of Jonathan Taylor coming in. And if you're Jonathan Taylor, you just basically have to not disprove that you're, you know, like worse than you were last year. And I think when he did that, people were like, oh, yeah, you know, great. You know, it, it just it, it he had it. He, he, he certainly had an advantage coming into the year. And in as much as that matters for these awards, I think it mattered for him. Yeah. And I one last thing, I, I think people were pointing out, well, Jonathan Taylor plays in the Big Ten. Played good defenses. Yeah. Well, the rushing defenses that Chuba faced, like statistically, were actually slightly better than the ones Jonathan Taylor faced. Yeah, how about nobody's ever put up 200 on Gary Patterson, and he put up 192 in the second half and 225 overall. (laughs) Exactly. So it, it just more than ever, Kyle, it just shows that, man, it's, it's, it's a name game. It's a, it's a helmet game. You have to over. You have to really be far and away the best choice because look at Tylen Wallace last year. I thought he had by far the best numbers. Yeah, and they give it to the receiver Jerry Judy from Alabama. And I thought one of my biggest takes of the whole thing was, or one of the thing I thought about was, this is how freaking good Justin Blackman was. Yeah, he he won the Bolitnikov two straight years. Well, it was it was undeniable. And they couldn't give it to some blue blood wide receiver that played at a bigger school. They just couldn't. He was that much better than everyone else. That's that's kind of why I think that if Chuba gets over the two thousand mark and has a big game against OU, that it would have helped him. But but man, it just kind of reminds you how good freaking Justin Blackman was. Yeah, I mean it 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 has to be you have to be undeniable. And 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 again, like compare it to the playoffs. If you're twelve and or if you're thirteen and zero. 
Like if you're Baylor at 13 and 0, you're undeniable. Like you can't. Well, they they still might have got shut out, but it, <laughs> it it would be you you have to if if you're starting from a position of weakness, which if you're not a like you said blue blood, whether we're talking about the playoff or we're talking about the awards then you have to be undeniable. And that's what Blackman was, and that's what you have to be if you're going to win one of these awards or if you're going to you know, make it into the playoffs at the end of the year. And and that's where, like, it's just tough because, like, I get it if you're a voter and you haven't really seen everything, which is kind of impossible to do. Uh, I, I sort of get where they're coming from, you know, and, and it's hard to, like, dig into the numbers and figure out what they mean. It's different for you and I because we – we cover this stuff every single week in a in a you know closely like with the teams that are sort of you know not blue bloods like with Oklahoma State or with Baylor or with Kansas State or whatever and so it's i think it's easier for us to to look at it from their perspective whereas if you're a national person and you're you're putting a team into the playoff or you're voting on the Doak Walker or the Bolitnikoff or whatever that stuff's hard, and it's easy to just default to the Alabama, to the Clemson, to, to the USC, or, or whatever. Yeah, and those voters are watching the Big Ten title game. They're like, well, I haven't yeah. heard of this Chuba guy, and I just watched Jonathan Taylor rush it well against Ohio State. He's yeah. got to be the best running back. Totally. The, numbers are, the numbers are close. Yeah, I, I get people that argued for Taylor and whoever else for the Heisman. Like The numbers were close. Like I, I'm not sitting here saying it was a— clear-cut decision that Chuba was far and away better than J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, but but that that did matter somewhat. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, number two. That was a long number one. Five. Yeah, I had one more point to make, and I already forgot it. <laughs> but let's move on. Uh, number two, uh, Chuba Hubbard. We still don't know his status for the bowl game. Uh, Bill Haston reported that Chuba's pre- kind of going through the workouts and practices for the bowl prep. Uh, he posted a very cryptic Instagram picture after the uh, award show in Atlanta in which he did not win the Doak Walker Award, uh, saying one more with fingers crossed. Uh, that could be interpreted as one more game. That could be interpreted as one more season. Uh, what What did you think of it? So my take on – well, first of all, Chuba also reported that he was uh... – basically practicing and preparing for the bowl game because somebody somebody put out there that he was like he was coming back or something I don't know like people just saying just crazy stuff on Twitter and he retweeted them and said just one day at a time which I love Chuba's his own he's his own media company get it (laughs) out there it's great I love it but the one more thing here's my take on that I think it's one more so I think guys like love to put um, bulletin board stuff on that, like that they see that they view as bulletin board stuff on Instagram and Twitter. I think it's one more like uh, like chip on his shoulder or whatever, like one more uh, hurdle to overcome, so to speak. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I could be talked into something else. I, I just think that I think he's basically seeing that as motivation uh, as he goes on to professional football. Yeah, I, I think he's going to – I think Chuba's – you know, every player's wired differently, right? I, Justice Hill's a different person than Chuba Hubbard. I think that's something we kind of overlook sometimes when it comes to these decisions, whether to play in the bowl game or, or get ready for the NFL. <clears throat> I think Chuba – you know, and Chuba hasn't played very many college football games in his career. Yeah. So I, I think a large part of him wants to go play in the in the bowl game. So I think I think that what he meant by that was one more game, fingers crossed I don't get hurt, and then I'm going to the NFL. Uh, okay. That's kind of what, like what I thought the fingers crossed was, was yeah. you know, hope it all goes well, and I want to play with my guys. 
you know, not everyone's, you know, and I think too, like it's, it's easy to forget now, like no one, like we were speculating whether James Washington and Mason Rudolph were going to the pros and we, they kind of surprised some people by coming back. I think we both kind of thought they might, but Washington certainly could have gone. Rudolph certainly could have gone. They came back, but I, I think he's gone. I don't think there's any chance. I thought the most telling tweet he had, Kyle, was talking about how how his family will be making money soon. Someone someone came after him about something and how he I grew can't... up in like the riches of Canada or something. Yeah, I don't he grew know. up in some affluent area, and Chuba was like, "Well, actually, no, I did not grow. <laughs> <laughs> we did not grow up there, and was not affluent. And but my family will have a lot of money soon." Is basically what he said. So. Go go get that money. Go get the bag. Secure the bag. Secure I think that's the bag. Good. Bag man. But I mean, Kyle, what if Chuba comes back and Tywin Wallace comes back? Then all of a sudden you're you're cooking with gas next year. Do you think there's any possibility of that? Don't tempt me here. Would you? <laughs> here, here's here. Okay, here's a question. Would you send Cade Cunningham to Lexington? <laughs> I love these hypotheticals you to, come up with to get Chuba for uh, back for another year. Um, whew, that's a, that's tough. I say no. Like as much as I love Chuba, <laughs> and I thought he should have been in New York. Like, Kate Cunningham's gonna have Gallagher have a full, and I know. it's been forgotten over the years. But when that place is full, it is magical. And if you have a team in the top five, it's even. It, I wish students over the last ten years could have experienced what you and I have when we were in college for that team that made the final four, what Gallagher Iba was like just in the pregame when they took the floor and they, they played the same music every game and the crowd was just totally into it from the jump. And that place, there wasn't an empty seat in the house. That to me is even more electric than Boone Pickens on a Saturday night. It just is. I've said it many times on this podcast. Gallagher Iba is a magical place. So I think I would want to keep Cade Cunningham and get that place rocking. I saw somebody the other day that said, man, I saw what you guys were talking about. That Georgetown game was so loud. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah, it's like, man, you don't even know. Like, they don't even know. Like, and I, I don't, I'm not criticizing them. Just they haven't yeah, yeah, had, yeah. OSU basketball has been down for no, a that's, decade. Yeah, I didn't mean. There's been little glimpses of it. Like Boynton got it full toward the end of the year last year. Underwood had it going at the end. And it just, it kind of reminds people like, whoa, that place is psychotic when it's yeah. full. It's just crazy because you're just right on top of the floor. And man, I, I cannot wait to see Cade Cunningham fill the place up. I think I would, uh, I think I might keep Chuba. Uh, for, for what a nine and three football season or what? I don't know, man. Like if they have the, the, the big three back, if Thailand's, no, they're not beating. Oh, you, we know how that story goes. Yeah. It's in Norman too. Give me Cade. I'll take Cade. OSU's actually won more Bedlam games than Norman than Stillwater, oh, so wait, maybe, that's a, I, maybe that's a good sign. It's awful. Uh, okay, number three. Yeah, Sweet. we got signing day on Wednesday. <laughs> I know you're fired up for all the five stars. Gundy's <laughs> visiting currently. Uh, signing day stinks. It stinks. Well, it's just not as big a deal now that they have the early signing period well, before February. Yeah, and I'm talking more about just for Oklahoma State. It's just... You know, as as much excitement as there is around basketball recruiting, and there is a, there's a ton of excitement when when Mike Boyden's out recruiting five stars, the landing five stars, you know, getting the best players in the state. Like it's it's, it, 
we don't need to do 30 minutes on this, but I just wish it was like that for football. You know, it's just even even when they get guys, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, got you know, it, there's just not. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's a perception. There's just not the excitement level that there is with basketball recruiting. And, you know, they're talking about laying in this three star kid out of Utah's as a late addition to you know, a, a linebacker on the defensive side and you, you start looking it up and he's like the 16th best player in Utah. I'm like, well, what is, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, like I, I just, and I get it. They've got their system. It works for them, but there's just, for me, you know, half this stuff is covering recruiting and there's just not, it's just not as much fun as everything else. It's not as much fun as Clemson having four top 10 players committed. They have six, five stars. Did you see that? Yes. Six. There's only like 30 of them. LSU is second. and they, LSU and Alabama only have three. They have six. Look, I've been saying it. Oklahoma State could be – I mean, maybe not now, but them and Clemson were not that far off when Dabo took over. And Dabo and just Dabo just sells the hell out of Clemson, South Carolina. And Gundy doesn't. And whatever. Like, it is what it is, but – I, it just it's frustrating because I feel like you could get there, you know, because Gundy. Well, and, and here's the deal: like, I'm gonna say this quietly, so not everyone hears. But when Dabo took over Clemson, it was Florida State and a bunch of dwarves. Yeah, that's what the Big Twelve is right now. It's Oklahoma and a bunch of guys you can beat up on if you get your if you get your recruiting rolling. Like the opportunities there. Texas is down. Tom Herman is in shambles. <laughs> And Gundy's got the 42nd ranked recruiting class. They're behind Iowa State, Carson. Like, and again, I, I know we talk about the benefit of the doubt, but like, the opportunity is right there. Like, I'm not saying they're going to get as good as Clemson, but nobody thought Clemson would approach Florida State when Dabo took over. Like, or Dabo. You call him Dabo. Now you got me calling him Dabo. Uh, Dabo <laughs> took over. So, man, it's just, and I, and I get this, like, people, like, when guys, been at a school as long as Gundy has you just want something new people talk about that all the time but man like the opportunities there to beat up on the rest of the conference I know. Just, it is and they're they're behind Kansas in the recruiting rankings uh so I don't want to dwell too much on that I, I am excited about the quarterback yeah uh Dustin Ragusa did a really good breakdown on, on PFB yeah uh, breaking down his game I call him Shane, Shane Trillingworth mm. are you ready for are you ready for the for trill season Shane yeah. Trillingworth I mean, he's 6'6", he's got a full tatted sleeve, and his numbers are just off the charts. So I, I know people, <laughs> I know Gunnar Gundy might want to go play for his dad, but this kid looks legit, and he looks like the future of the program. Do you think, a lot of people have been talking about just like, does he have a chance next year? Like, is are we sure about Sanders? Is there anything there, or are you, are you pretty locked in on Sanders? You think... Trillingworth's going to unseat Sanders next year? Well, that's what I don't, but people, people, many people are saying. Who's these people? I don't know. Just is, is this going on? It's going on in the chamber. Yeah, you got to you got to like regulate. You got to be the admin on comments like that. Well, I, I, look, you think, you think like, Gundy's going to play a true freshman after what he did with Sanders and Corn Dog? <laughs> no chance. I mean, if he throws it like Whedon, he better play him. Well, did, didn't Sanders have the best arm since Whedon yeah, going into fall that camp? Might be, that might be fake news. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, Sanders runs around a lot, and if he gets hurt, yeah. you know, Drew Brown's not there anymore. I mean, 
they're, the, they're, they're obviously not going to play Brendan Costello because he Drew, didn't even make the trip to West Virginia. He was like six on the depth chart behind a couple of walk-ons. The Drew Brown era has ended at, in Stillwater. Oh, should... I know. I know what's going to happen. He's going to he's going to play one of those walk-ons over Trillingworth if something happened to Sanders, just for like sure. Corn Dog for sure. Like, well, they they earned it. They they've been here. Yeah, done the work. Yeah. But I am I am fired up. All jokes aside, I am I, I do like Illingworth and and that's one thing we you know, we bag on the recruiting like they get quarterbacks and that's half the battle right is getting a good quarterback. So that, it seems like they've landed another one. Yeah, for sure. He's the highest rated. Uh, he's the highest rated guy in the class, which is always and a good one thing. one last signing day thought. I thought Kyle Boone. I think it was Kyle Boone wrote on your your side about the importance of landing a running back, or maybe it was Marshall. It was Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, Marshall wrote it and. I do think that's important, Kyle, because you and I got a question from someone on Twitter this week about DeAndre Glass. Like, why were we – the last pod, we were kind of down about, you know, since Arroyo's left, they haven't really filled the cupboard as, as well. Uh, I know Marshall wrote that, you know, Gundy had made a few comments, uh, positive comments about Glass, but you just got to think if he was, like, the guy, he would have played in four games this year, don't you think? I mean, there was nothing behind Chuba Hubbard. They had a – they rode him into the ground, and L.D. Brown barely got the ball, too, for yeah. that matter. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I had heard that he hadn't impressed too much. Gundy made a few comments that he had, but it doesn't appear like he's ready to like carry the ball 30 times next year. Well, I, I think some of it I – think, I think there is – I think there could be something there because I think some of the reason he didn't play was conditioning, and that's not a, that's not a difficult thing to fix, right? Like that just – it just takes a little bit of time. And so – yeah, a little a little time with old Bobby G. And uh, if he fixes that, he might. I mean, he could be Justice Hill. I, I don't know. And so it didn't it didn't necessarily seem like a. It, it it seemed like his issues were fixable. And so I I do think there's some encouragement there. And look, they've still got you know they they've still got uh, the I can't ever say his name, but Daniel Nagata out of California. They got Isaiah Jacobs uh, out of uh, where's he Tulsa, Owasso, yeah. And you know maybe they land one of those guys. I I don't. Who knows what's gonna happen? I I I do think it's a little early to be like. I mean, am I concerned about it? Yeah, but I I do think there are paths to uh, them having a really good starting running back next year. I don't know which one it's gonna be. And look, if they don't land either of those guys. That's problematic. You don't have a running back in this class. That's that's not good. So we'll see how it plays out. But uh, yeah, they need something there because I'm with you. I think Chuba is uh, playing for. By the way, I saw him. I saw a mock draft with him on the Chiefs next year. Would that be something you're interested in? Oh my gosh, him and Ty. I can just see like him scoring a touchdown and Tyreek catching up and them just racing to the end zone. Him. <laughs> While Mike Yersich watches in the stands, shaking his head, like, I, what did I, what happened? Him catching a wheel route from Patty, Patty Mahomes is just, oh my gosh, on my, on my bucket list of things I want to see in the NFL next year. Yeah, that that's, would be, that's like sick. Andy, Andy Reid knows what to do with a guy like Chuba. That would be a great spot for him to land, yeah, obviously. Yeah. That'd be- uh, number four, huge. Huge win for Oklahoma State basketball at Houston. I thought it was pretty nostalgic, Kyle. You had Kelvin Sampson in the blue denim shirt yeah. in an intense atmosphere. Game goes down to the wire after OSU blows a big lead, and OSU really showed a lot of grit and determination to win that game. I thought it was an excellent win, and 
I mean, I think they're building a, a great non-conference resume come tournament time. For sure. Uh, so I actually didn't watch this game. I was uh, I had Sunday off. I was preaching at our church, and uh, Marshall and Kyle Cox covered it. So I, I read up on it. I looked at the box score. Look, I I mean, I think if after the NIT you're saying, hey, uh, you're going to win one of Wichita State, Georgetown, and Houston, first of all, it's not, you know, I think two would be like the, the, the like what you would have chosen for like what you would hope would happen. But also I don't know that Houston would have been the, the one I thought they would win. And so I, I, I mean, I don't know. You probably saw more of it than I did. It seems like a really good win at this time of year to be eight and two uh, without your best guy still. And going into uh, what do they got? Like two left until conference play. I mean, they're, I think they're in a really good spot in terms of the tournament. Yeah, I, I do too. And I just I hope when it comes tournament time, Kyle, that the committee, I assume they will, but maybe that's wrong for me to assume, uh, that they will take into account that Isaac likely didn't play in those two games they lost. They lost big because he was not there. And he's their best player. I mean, as much as I love you or an A, Isaac likely is the, the heartbeat of the team. And apparently he has some sort of illness. They have not disclosed that. You got to think it's gonna it's got to be mono if he's missing this many games with an illness. Well, he's been what, out for uh, a what, week or so. That's what Gottlieb reported. That's what we had heard, kind of behind the scenes. I, I, I mean, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it has to be to, to be out that long, and he's sitting next to his teammates. So if he had like the flu or something, he wouldn't be sitting that close. But, uh, but no, it was a great win, and man, it just when your NA is not in foul trouble, this team goes up so many levels yeah. and he he really he really was outstanding and looked like a professional basketball player against Houston he was he was sensational that's because that's that's what he is you know so and if you look at um so if you look at their so in on Ken Palm they are ranked number 30 Houston's 37 Wichita State's 34 who they lost to Georgetown's 45 I mean they played a legit schedule Carson this is like real non-conference stuff and they've got Minnesota coming up on Saturday and then they've got Southeastern Louisiana, uh, the following Sunday. And then it's uh Texas tech in Lubbock to start, uh, to, Ooh. To, oh, to start the big 12 season. Not ideal. No, not great. But I mean, they're just, you know, who knows how conference play goes. If you can go 500 in conference play, you're a lock to get in the tournament with the with the non-conference schedule that they've played. I think even something like 7 and 11 could get in, you know? Um, yeah. But, yeah, they need to get Likely back. Likely was committed to Texas Tech at one point. How scary would Tech be with him? Oof. I know. That was a good get by Mike Boynton. And Boynton's already all over social media uh, trying to get people to, to be okay center in Tulsa. They played Minnesota on Saturday. That place should be – Pretty full of orange. I think he's really kind of excited OSU basketball fans with with the start to this season, and that was a really good, really good win after losing two games for sure. Uh, number five is more in your world, and we don't spend a ton of time on. It. I didn't watch much of it, but Victor Hovland and, and Matt Wolf paired together at the QBE shootout is an interesting format. He had two guys paired together in this tournament, and actually a, another former Cowboy ended up winning the thing. Kevin Tway was for some reason paired with Rory Sabatini. <laughs> And they won it. But it, I thought it was cool to see Hovland and Wolf back together again. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think for me, more than anything, it highlights, I mean, these are two of, 
I mean, Hovland's going to be PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. It's weird that he's a rookie uh, yeah. go, going into this season. And they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're playing at a level at which you're like, could they sneak their way onto the Ryder Cup teams? You know, opposite teams, but same same type goal. And I'm I'm super excited for both of them going into 2020. I think they could both win. I think they could both contend at majors. Um, I don't know what the ceiling is for either one of them. And, and the question, I think it's a fun question is who's going to have a better career, you know? And, and I think that's, I think that's crazy because we, we, the way we talked about Wolf throughout his amateur career. And I, I was right there. I was maybe leading the charge was he's better than Hovland. He's better than Hovland. He's better than Hovland. And then you get on the PGA tour and you're like, is he better than Hovland? I mean, I, I guess, but Hovland's numbers are just astronomical. I mean, he's unbelievable off the tee. So I don't know. I'm really, really excited for both of their seasons. Wolf's going to be at the tournament of champions, uh, at Kapalua here in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, Hovland probably might play on the European tour a little bit as well. So I, I I'm pretty pumped for them in, in 2020. When's the next Ryder cup? Uh, September whistling straights. What year? Ne- next year, nine months. What this yeah. year? Yeah, they do it every two years now. Yeah, has it always been that way? Yeah, that yeah it is, but they switch. Um, so it's every four years in your own country, right? So like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixteen, so years. sixteen was Hazeltine, eighteen was Paris, and then twenty is uh, whistling straights. Feels like they were in France, like. This summer. I know. This past summer. I know. It does feel like a couple of months ago. Um, any chance Hovland and Wolf? I mean, not Wolf, but any chance Hovland be on that team? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Oof. the his problem is that he's going to have to play his way on because he's not going to get a captain's pick. Because the He guy, absolutely should get a captain's pick. Well, sure, but the guys that are going to get captain's picks, the guys that are fringe guys, it's going to go to like Stinson and mm. – um, you know, Poulter, like guys that it might be their last hurrah, but, yeah. they, but they, they just get the benefit of the doubt. They've been there. They've been through wars. Like he's just, he could play his way on for sure, but he's not going to get a captain's pick. Well, if, if he shoots every round in the sixties, like he did for six months or whatever it was, <laughs> then he'll just qualify. It won't matter. Yeah, he will. And he could oh. like, he legitimately could qualify for the European. I mean, how crazy would that be? Would, Can you imagine Rory and, and Hovland just strolling out against? Uh, well, hopefully P. Reed's not there, but uh, DJ and I don't know Tiger. I mean, I've, I'm I might be ordering some Team Europe gear if, <laughs> if Hobby makes it. It's my guy, him and Wolf. I, I'm not prepared for a Wolf Hovland Ryder Cup showdown. I'm I just not meant. To, uh, that would be like when Florida State played Oklahoma State in football. I was just catatonic in the stands. It would be tough for sure. <laughs> uh, you want to get to buckets and bricks? Well, let's do uh, let's do uniform review first. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Chris's is, uh, we got some new gear in our store. We got some, uh, some new mullet shirts, some new stickers. We got some chamber stickers, some mullet stickers, some PFB stickers. They ship all of our stuff out, so... Uh, be sure to, to check us out, pfbstore.com, and uh, they will be shipping your stuff. So shout out to them. Great time of year for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, basketball uniforms? Wore, yeah, they wore the uh, – they've kind of 
there's kind of some uni karma with these things. I think they like wearing these. The the dark gray jerseys with the black numbers and the big the big brand on the front. I don't know how I feel about it. Like I love the brand. My dad loves the brand. He he only wants that on the helmet. I don't know if it works as well on a basketball jersey for some reason. Just like the big logo to me, like you know, West Virginia will wear the big logo too. I don't know. I, I tend to like scripting or script more on, on basketball jerseys. What say you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I agree. In th- I, don't know, like, I don't know why. I, I love the brand. I don't know why I feel that way. It's just kind of my general thought on it. Have you seen the Ohio State cursive, like the Buckeyes? Are they gray? Uh, I think they're white. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, I have. Oh. They're sensational. Why is cursive so great? I don't know. Just go all cursive. Go Oklahoma State in cursive. I don't care. Can, can they just wear like cursive Cowboys home and a, can we get like a black cursive Cowboy jersey? That would be sweet. They used to have that, right? Yeah, they did. Like Desmond used to wear that on the no. road. No, 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 no. It said, it said Oklahoma State on it, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. I I like these uniforms in theory. Um, I don't know if I like them in like reality. It seems like they're just they're trying something and it just it doesn't quite work. Yeah. The dark the dark gray with the black I don't know, just it looks kinda like a it looks kinda like an alternate uniform you can create on a video game. Yeah. Not necessarily one that Oklahoma State should be wearing. Like just wear black. Like that's it's your if you want to make different types of black jerseys, whether cursive cowboys or with, you know, different script on it, I'm all for it. But yeah, not my favorite, but hey, they got to win, so I'm sure they're going to want to wear them even more because, you know, they're just like us, Kyle. They get they get a little uh, superstitious. Yeah, man, that was such a great win. I'm looking. I'm watching the. There's a, well, the entire game's on YouTube. Or no, I guess it's just the highlights, which is you need how, to watch like the last five minutes. It's pretty how, thrilling. How did we ever like do our jobs without YouTube and Wikipedia? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I'm on both of those every day for a long time. <laughs> I loved uh, Adam Lunt had a great tweet, and he had more recruiting takes too. If you're if you're into that sort of thing, but uh, he had a great tweet like, "Okay, Houston, now go win 24 straight," because <laughs> that's what they do in that conference, right? They win like 20 in a row, yeah. so that would help OSU's cause come Seriously. March. <laughs> but that was pretty funny. That is funny. Uh, okay, we got a. Let's see here. Actually, before we get to this, let's go. Um, Let's go mid first one more time before we get we're do, we're doing buckets and bricks football season's over Car- well it's not over but it's close to over so we've uh, we're scrapping bullets and BBs when we're doing buckets and bricks it's a great great idea in the chamber by the way yeah they've come up with all of our names they're far more creative than us <laughs> yeah, not even close uh, okay bank with a winner mid first bank J D Power highest satisfaction score for the second year in a row. Oklahoma Reader's Choice Awards, best bank for the sixth year in a row, best mobile app for the second year in a row. Uh, just racking up dubs like Mike Boynton and Oklahoma State at eight and two. Um, <laughs> you can bank with a winner, midfirst.com slash pistols firing, and you guys should go and check them out. Okay, uh, buckets and bricks, what do you got? Well, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, again, I've been saying this for a long time. Your NA just is a monster. Yeah. He had 18 points. Uh, he had eight rebounds, one block, but most impressive to me, Kyle, he was eight of nine from the free throw line. He hit a few down the stretch that were crucial. 
And again, just for a big to have that kind of touch at the free throw line is rare. I think that's only going to help him at the next level. And uh, he just, when he's not in foul trouble, Kyle, he played, he still only played 28 minutes. He did get in a little bit of foul trouble that really, I thought, brought Houston back into the game. But when he's on the floor, Kyle, I, I need to find, I need to look it up if they have it somewhere. I'm sure you're better at this than me. But his per, his per 36 numbers have to be stupid because he's not on the floor as much as he should be. But when he's on the floor, OSU's differential has to be just through the roof when he's on the floor. He makes such a difference. And that's the biggest key of this entire season for me. Obviously, getting likely back's huge, but keeping an A on the floor will keep OSU in the Big 12 title race. So I've got his, uh, do you want his per 40 or his per 100 possessions? <sighs> per 40. Per 40. 22 points. Uh, 11 rebounds, a steal and a half, and five blocks. Oh, my God. That's insane at and, the college level. And also six and a half fouls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole deal. His per 100 possessions is uh, 30 points, 16 boards, seven <laughs> blocks, and nine fouls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you pull up? Can you pull up Marshall Moses's per 36 and per 100, yeah. wherever you're at? Yeah. Like, I'll... I got it. I keep equating him to Marshall Moses, and I think people forget he was flat out dominant his last couple years. When he was on the floor, he just kept getting in foul trouble, and that's when OSU would get in holes. Okay. So, but when he was on the floor, his numbers were stupid good. Yeah. His uh, Marshall's per 40 was uh, 19 points, 10 boards. Assist and a half, a steal, and a block. Yeah, like that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's legit. And then his per hundred was uh, twenty nine points, fifteen rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. Yeah, that's like similar to an A's points yeah. and rebounds. Yeah, like he was really good. Yeah, like just and it just they they go they go hand in hand, and those guys for for whatever reason have a hard time staying out of foul trouble and look I don't trust Big 12 officiating <laughs> either so that this is something they're really I am sure Mike Boynton's really trying to hammer into an A and and as it's hard it's a hard balance though right Kyle because you want him to have five blocks a game like he does but you also don't want him picking up cheapies either so it's it's going to be a, a tight rope all season with that yeah uh, okay my bucket uh, I'm going outside of basketball John Smith 10 in a row over OU uh, they wrestling won to, it was 23 to nine in, in Norman. Yep. And, uh, they just can't stop beating OU. I know, I know OU people think that football is the only thing that matters. And in a lot of ways it is, but yeah, it's, it's super impressive to go 10 straight. I know, I know OU has been down. They're not as good as they used to be, whatever, but, uh, you go 10 straight over OU in any sport. That's a big deal. Yeah. And I thought, you know, OU made them work for it too. I watched some of it. Like there were some close matches that could have gone either way, and I thought OSU really came up with some clutch points to to really win by the margin that they did. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, Jared Gallagher on Twitter posted like a a meme of OU's McCaslin Fieldhouse and how few people were there versus Gallagher Iowa when they wrestled Iowa and it was yeah. full. Yeah, it was pretty stark. Yeah, but um, for sure. But no, it's it's just good that Bedlam's back, right? Didn't OU get rid of Bedlam wrestling a few years ago, so it, it, it came back. Uh, or is this no? That, so what they do? They don't. They used to go twice, I think. That's and, what na- it was. and now they only go once a year. That's right. OU doesn't want to take those two L's, which I mean that'd be like OSU like 
just saying, hey, let's just play once in football instead of twice. <laughs> um, no, it was it was good to see. We should have done a uni uni review on on John Smith's vests. We we like to talk about that stuff too. Yeah, his vests are the best. Um, I'm trying to pull up your your boy tweets too much. Who's my I'm boy? Trying to pull up I'm trying to pull up Seth Duckworth's stats on this. Yeah. He had a, he had two really good stats. Okay, uh, John Smith moves to fifty one six and three versus Oklahoma. Sick. The all-time Bedlam series. <laughs> this is like when Blink and Riley comes after OSU football and OU's dominance over them. The Bedlam Wrestling Series, OSU has the advantage 142, 27, and 10 is yeah. the record. Yeah, it's dirty. They haven't lost to OU in Stillwater since 1999. This They haven't lost to them this century in Stillwater. So Seth Duckworth is turning into Seth Blinkworth on the uh, wrestling <laughs> stats. Just dominating OU with them. So that, good job by John Smith. And God, you just hope they can make a run in, in March. Yeah, for sure. We'll okay. See. What's your uh, what's your brick? Uh, the Doak Walker Award voters. Mm. And again, like the stats were close. I'll grant you that. I, I grant you that Jonathan Taylor is a bigger name or whatever. But like you're voting on this award. And Shuba Hubbard has by far the best numbers in every relevant statistic not by far, but he has the best numbers in every relevant statistic. And you just voted for Jonathan Taylor last year. Like, why would you not vote for Chuba Hubbard? I just, I don't get it. In one last game, he had more rushing yards. I mean, I guess I do get it. It's a name game, but like, shame on you voters for, for voting for Jonathan Taylor. The guy won the award last year. Chuba Hubbard was the best running back in the country this year, if you're paying attention. And apparently a lot of them weren't. So shame on them. Uh, my brick. This is gonna be a tough one to hand out, Carson. It's gonna to go to um, it's gonna to go to Mason Rudolph, who has uh, officially lost his starting job to somebody named Duck Hodges, who <laughs> looks like he should be like doing architecture for some firm in like Chicago. Uh, <laughs> and Rudolph is, uh, yeah, Rudolph's out. Duck Hodges in, not good. I don't know. I think I think Rudolph might be back in after Duck lost at home to um, who did they lose to this week? B- Buffalo. 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 Lost the lost to my Bills. Um, so I, look, I I think they, I think they look. I didn't think Mason was producing, so I didn't disagree with benching him. But now at this point, I think Hodges is producing even less at the quarterback position. He's clearly not as good of a player as Rudolph, in my opinion. So I think they might go back to, to Rudolph this week. And maybe some of that, Kyle, was them trying to get get the, the helmet gate thing out, off off the radar too. Just, okay, Mason's not playing well. Let's sit him. Let's get this thing behind us and play Hodges. I think that now that that's passed, maybe they'll, they'll go back to Rudolph. Yeah, it's kind of – who is this guy? Like, where did he play? Samford, undrafted. How does that happen? How, how does that happen? How does how – does, Brandon Whedon not have like he's a bad example because he did have a long NFL career. But <laughs> how do some of these guys that are just unreal in college not have success in the NFL? And then Duck Hodges, who played at Samford, is is like starting for the Steelers. What? How does that? How does? Why does that happen? Well, a lot of it is is mental. Some guys just cannot handle the schemes and 
frankly, reading defenses is a skill. And some guys just don't have it. Like college coaches can make it pretty simple for a lot of guys. And it's just, it's so much more complex and so much faster. The defenses are so much faster at the NFL level. So you have to be able to digest information quickly. I think that's why they place a lot of importance on the Wonderlick test when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, it, now, some guys don't need the one. Like Michael Vick did not need the Wonderlick test. Like Lamar Jackson does not lead, need the Wonderlick test. But, you know, that's, that's a large reason why a guy from Sanford is playing and, I don't know, a guy from, you know, Texas Tech's not. It does. It does seem like being an NFL quarterback is less about being freakishly athletic and having a great arm, and more about knowing who's open at the right time. You know, because yeah, you totally. you look you look at Peyton Manning, and you're like, I don't know. I mean, I I guess like he just he doesn't like he just doesn't blow you away athletically. Late, late late in his career, yes, but he was as blue chip as blue chippers get yeah. coming out of college. But he's, I don't know. I mean, like he, he, I guess my point is like, even with Aaron Rodgers, like I get it. Like Aaron Rodgers had great arm, but it just seems like he's successful, not because of his arm or his athletic ability, but because he's smart. Well, Tom Brady is a perfect example. Tommy B I mean, might be, he might. was benched at Michigan for Drew Henson, who had a big flashy arm and athletic ability. And he's the greatest of all time. He so. might be benched next week against Buffalo. For who? I don't even know who. I don't even know who their backup is anymore uh, since they got Zach? rid of Jimmy G. Is Zach still there? <laughs> Zach's Zach's on the Rams coaching staff. He's gonna, probably going to be the next head coach of the, you know, the Bengals or something. He's probably going to be the next head coach of Oklahoma State. He'll get recruiting going. We'll we'll be we'll be cranking whenever whenever Zach's the head coach. What PFB will be like. The, you know, throwing five stars. It's, that'll be awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> Sign me up. He might not Sign like, me up. He might not like recruiting. Okay. Uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back with one interesting thing. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, one interesting thing. Go. You stole mine. Bedlam wrestling. Oh, my bad. I didn't even see that on there. That's okay. No, I just I thought it was cool. I love I love Bedlam anything and Bedlam wrestlings. I call it wrestling because my dad calls it. So he's kind of rubbed that off on me. But um, your dad was uh was throwing around like sourced info this week. How about that? Yeah. He was texting me about some sources. He he's got sources now. He's he comes on our podcast, you know, every bedlam. Now people are just are feeding him information through the through the grapevine. He's so. he's feeling himself after Terry Miller was honored at Bedlam this year. He it's was. Like, he's just riding high. Yeah, he is. Is Terry Miller take aged well? We'll have to wait and see if this this take that I won't put on the pod comes to fruition. If it does, we'll we'll give him credit for sure. We de- we definitely will give him credit. Okay. My one interesting thing, Spencer Sanders, ninth best odds to win the Heisman Trophy in 2020. We've got Justin Fields plus 250, Trevor Lawrence plus 300, Mac Jones uh, 7 to 1, Bo Nix 8 to 1, 
uh, you got a couple other guys, and then you got Spencer Sanders at twenty five to one. Hmm. Seems seems. Uh, I would have thought more like fifty. Yeah, that seems high to me for a they, guy who didn't exactly light it up. It's, I I thought somebody on Twitter said they should just put like they should just make OU quarterback like thirty to one, just auto every year. Yeah, isn't isn't Rattler like tied for best odds? I don't see his name on here. This is just this was uh, Sportsline, so our or CBS oh, brethren, okay. but uh, who he knows? was tied for fifth on one of the lines. So yeah, I, I do think. You just put QB one OU down as like a top three favorite, yeah, because it really doesn't doesn't seem to matter who they have, yeah. But no, I mean, look, I as much as Sanders struggled earlier in the year, I thought he played better down the stretch. They really adjusted the offense around him, and he's going to get better. Like I think I think people tend to, us included, you know, judge a guy his first season, say that's what he's going to be his whole career. But it's been rare that Gundy's played a freshman quarterback. We just haven't seen it a whole lot. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get to see the maturation process from, you know, we saw it with Mason Rudolph, but other than that, we haven't seen it a whole lot. So we'll have to wait and see how he he progresses. For sure. Okay, Carson. Good stuff. Hey, we will not talk again before Christmas. So enjoy your trip. I hope you have a great holiday. Uh, this year's been a blast. We will uh, we'll reconvene. I think not until probably after the bowl game. You got you got a bunch of travel that that you've got going on. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope you have a great holiday, and uh, we'll we'll meet back up again soon. Yep. Likewise, have a merry Christmas, happy holidays to the fam, and uh, we'll catch up after uh, after the holidays. Yep. Uh, I will be back uh, before the bowl game, probably with uh, Kyle Boone or Marshall or both. Might do a roundtable pod. Uh, just to preview some of the A&M Oklahoma State stuff, should be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to take a few days off uh, before Christmas, but uh, we'll be cranking again uh, before the Texas Bowl. So uh, full coverage of signing day on the site. That'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, have a good one, Carson. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Happy holidays. See ya.